Welcome back to One Winning Pod. We are here to get ready for the Ravens' Week 2 matchup for the 2022 season. This will be the home opener against the Miami Dolphins, a team that the Ravens played on the road last year. And suffice to say, that game did not go as planned and in a lot of ways was kind of the beginning of a culmination of just a ton of bad luck for the team that would ultimately result in uh, not making it to the playoffs for that season. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is a game that I'm really excited to see, really excited to see if the Ravens took some lessons from what happened in that game and can apply them and have a better showing this Sunday. Chris and Alec, what did you guys first take away looking at this matchup? Yeah, uh, it's funny you have it in the notes, Peter. I think the the number one thing is uh, cover zero. You got to have an answer. (laughs) It was uh, maybe a little bit overstated, I think, last year, just how much the cover zero seemed to just completely flummox our offense. It was like the Lamar Jackson killer, just play cover zero, and like he's completely shut down. I think the the Ravens need to be prepared for it. That um, they gotta have an answer for it. It's gotta uh, gotta work on the execution, right? Um, I think it was one of those. It was one of those like perfect moments of the scheme worked perfectly, and there was just nothing that they could do to kind of adjust to it. And that's why it was so dramatically just like effective this time around. Obviously, the Ravens, you know, they should not be surprised if the Dolphins are going to play a lot of that. And they should have more of an answer. Um, so execution for me, especially in offense, I think is going to be the number one thing. I think a lot of narratives going into it are going to be around that. Um, on the defensive side, I think uh, continue to build off of week one. They had a pretty strong showing. And uh, I think uh, you know they can bring some of that next week as well. Yeah, for me, this is a, we got a little bit of data points out of week one how is it going to go into week two like will we confirm more of it or will there be more unknowns because we saw a different level of performance and i do think this is a better team that is better suited to stress test some of the things that we're most concerned about about this ravens team i think it may be one of the reasons why we lost uh against them even though you know obviously thursday night game the rest um there's a whole bunch of reasons being away that that game could have went sideways, but they're coming home, the home opener. And uh, I think to me, the big thing, if we're not talking about cover zero is this new explosive offense that they've uh, put together. I mean, they had a lot of these pieces. And in fact, if you recall from that game last year, and I'm sure a lot of listeners do like they had a bunch of explosive plays that we, we couldn't tackle. They went and five yard plays became 50 now they have even better weapons to do that. So <laughs> the question is like, can we tackle? Can we not let those big plays happen? That's the other um, big question mark going into this game that the Ravens have to prove that they're not that team this year. Absolutely. And I think on that note, we can just dive right in and start talking about who some of these guys are. Um, Tyreek Hill is the big one. The Chiefs couldn't come up with a contract extension for him. So he played his hand the Chiefs called the bluff and they traded him to Miami he's there now Jalen Waddle is you know he had not yet become Jalen Waddle by the time the Ravens were playing them I know Marlon Humphrey said after the game that he was going to be one of the great ones but it wasn't really until a couple weeks later that Waddle really took off uh, so in some ways he's new this year uh, they got Chase Edmonds in free agency from the running back position also Raheem Mostert or maybe D Mostert if you're looking at uh, NFL.com, they have him listed as D Mostert, as Chris found out before this uh, recording. So 
Yeah, and all this is under uh, you know, new head coach Mike McDaniel. Uh, he was the run game coordinator from 2017 to 2020 with the 49ers and then offensive coordinator last season. He's now the head coach. He's implementing his scheme in Miami. So, you know, even though Tua Tagovailoa will still be the quarterback back there, um, in a lot of ways, this offense is going to be pretty different from what the Ravens saw last year. And I think of all those guys that we listed, you know, you got to start with Tyreek Hill as looking at how this defense is going to approach this offense. We saw last year against Kansas City, the Ravens were tired of getting beat by Hill. They really focused in that game of taking him away from the Chiefs and forcing them to use their other weapons to beat them. I'm not sure that that's the approach the Ravens will take this game because, again, you're talking about the same player, but he's in a different scheme. He's being used a little differently, at least from what we saw in the first game action from him in a Dolphins uniform in New England. Um, So that'll be interesting to see right off the bat. Are they going to overemphasize Hill or are they going to play a more balanced approach and and just kind of see where the Dolphins are going to script these guys to go? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good point. Um, I think the matchup in 2021, I think we held Tyreek to three or four catches, I think, if I recall. Um, somebody might want to fact check me on that one. Looking it up right but, now. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was definitely not much of a not much of a factor in that game, and I think that was one of the uh, you know reasons for that success. And the other one just being, I think the Chiefs were a little bit off early in the season last year. Um, Ravens got a little bit lucky, I think. But yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, in, in terms of the Week One matchup, uh, Miami played uh, New England Week One. Uh, at least a lot in the first half. There was a lot of um, short passing game on both sides. You know, I think the the Patriots kind of went to it because of the aggressive defense that the Dolphins deploy, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but on the Dolphins side as well, I mean, there were a lot of a lot of short passes, not as many deep attempts to really open up the field uh, until later in the game. But yeah, it's. You know, it's one of those things of I I would expect more of that, um, but it's also completely reasonable, I think, for the Dolphins to be able to take more advantage of that, right? Tyreek's got the speed. We know he has that. I mean, he's been a complete <laughs> thorn in our side for years. I mean, I still remember the play he made, I don't know, was it 20, 2018, the matchup, where uh, Mahomes just threw that ball over Mosley and Weddle and Tyreek just like took it to the house. We don't want that to happen. Um, it's going to be a big test for this uh, new Ravens secondary. Three catches for 14 yards last year for Hill against the Ravens. Yep, that's what I was thinking is we were able to quiet him down last year. Now, granted, Kelsey had a pretty big game. So it might be one of those things where Waddle has a big game because we focus on Hill. But uh, I, I think that there's definitely a path for the Ravens to be able to defend these two guys and, and keep them uh, quiet. It's a two-pronged approach, right? Is is Peter's going to be available and what's his, where is he at recovery-wise? Or, you know, how Steven's going to play? And then also, how's this pass rush going to rattle Tua and this offensive line? Because I could see us being able to really get a lot of pressure and not let these big plays develop. As long as we can keep these guys in front of us, the worst damage they'll be able to do is, you know, 15 yards because we're not going to give them the time to unload a pass like that. Exactly. And yeah, when you're talking about a quarterback like Tua, he's not a guy who's going to really be able to improvise much to kind of force those plays to happen, for lack of a better term. 
Um, you know, if you watch what happened against New England, it was a lot of the same what we saw, we've seen in the past with Tua. They just did a lot of quick drop back. Where's the read? Throw it to the guy to get the guy in space. Um, you know, he's not super athletic at this level compared to other talents at the quarterback position. Um, I do think he's a good quarterback. It's just physically, he's not as imposing as a lot of the guys that are starting in the league right now. It's just a fact. So, but again, like we're saying, if the Ravens have to keep the guys in front of him, like Alex saying, tackling is going to be paramount. It's kind of a lazy analysis, but if you tackle these guys, then they're not going to be able to make the big play. If you whiff, then you can have, you know, some bad stuff happen. Like last year, Darnell Mooney (laughs) had that huge play. That play stopped if you tackle. So, we know that. I've seen plenty of people on Ravens Twitter already point that out. I'm sure the coaches know that. The players know that. But it's still, you know, something they got to do to to keep these yak monsters that the Dolphins have on offense in check. Yeah, one thing uh, One thing that really makes me, you know, excited for this game, and I think a lot of Ravens fans should be excited too, um, this actually kind of aligns with um, a, a question we had a listener actually tweet out to us today. Uh, Joe Brandell asked us about our thoughts on uh, Mike McDonald's defensive scheme. Um, for me, I, I think one thing that makes me feel a lot better about this matchup is just having all the safeties on the back end. I think in week one, um, I mean, Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark, um, I thought they played incredible. Marcus Williams had a career day for for him. I think, Peter, you talked about it last episode. You know, I watched some more of his film. I think I think uh, Jason from Huddle It Up Films had a mashup of, that he put up a, a few days ago. And, uh, I mean, he just he played great. Um, both those guys were just in... Uh, great positions for a lot of plays um both very solid tacklers um you know as far of like all the guys in the secondary i think marcus and clark are just really really solid tacklers are always in the right position so if we're talking about you know going up against these weapons from miami i think the big difference this year versus maybe years in the past where wink could maybe be a little bit more willing to leave corners on an island and you know be able to do things with safeties, but the safeties aren't really in uh, positions to be able to kind of defend uh, on the boundaries or kind of be like the last line of defense. I feel a lot better with what McDonald's doing because I feel like we have, you know, one, we're more willing to put safeties deep. Uh, we're, we're willing to put two safeties deep. And, you know, just the quality of players now that we have at the safety position, I think are much better in years past. So that makes me feel really good about this matchup uh, that we have some guys who can really, um, you know, cover on the back end. I also have the confidence of this newfound four-man pressure rushes. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Jason from Huddle Up Films. He put a compilation together of all the um, rushes with four men, and that uh, was awesome. You know, we were seeing the pocket collapse, and we know that the Dolphins' offensive line is in shambles. Apparently, more in shambles than me when I didn't get Rashad Bateman in the fancy draft, which <laughs> cracked me up when I saw that in the show notes earlier today. So. Uh, if and if anyone knows, that means a lot of shambles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I anticipate them having just as good of a pass rush this game, if not better. And I would be concerned if they don't get the pass rush in this game. Also, notably, uh, Travis Jones is on the recovery path. I don't know if he'll be available this game. I feel like they have so much depth; they can wait another game. But it's great to see that he's getting healthier, too. Uh, I can't wait to see how dominant these guys can be when everyone's healthy and ready. 
Yeah, the so I might have overstated how badly um, the offensive line is doing for Miami, but um, they they had a little bit of of some difficulties against New England, where they just had a couple players go out with injuries at certain times, cause them to have to do reshuffling, uh, put a lot of guys in situations that they really wouldn't want. And I I was listening to a, a guy break down the all twenty two of the Dolphins earlier today and he said at one point there was a stretch of a few plays where the Dolphins only had two guys in the spot where like that's where they started the game at because they had to shuffle the line so much bring in a couple backups now most of those injuries that were suffered were the guys were able to come back and it looks like they'll be playing on Sunday the one area to watch for the Dolphins is their right tackle situation Um, So that's Austin Jackson, I believe. And he, he went down in the game and his backup, George Little had to come in. And at one point Little had to come out for a few plays as well. He also got hurt, but he finished the game. And now Austin, he's practicing in a limited capacity apparently right now, even though he didn't return to the game on Sunday, but the Dolphins did sign Brandon Shell from their practice squad, who is offensive tackle. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye out for. And also Taron Armstead, who has had plenty of issues with uh, injuries the past five seasons. He was the marquee signing of free agency last year, franchise left tackle, albeit at age 31. He suffered a toe injury during the game, played through it, did have a vet day off on Wednesday. But, you know, toe injuries for tackles, that can be something that even if he's out on the field could be bothersome if it's you know more serious so the Dolphins offensive line is is a little bit beat up going into this game so yeah the four-man pressure is something that the Ravens could have some more success with this week now one uh, I guess question we have to ask about this offense is the concerns you have around the running backs with Edmonds there um, looks like they're trying to get faster than they were last year are you concerned about Edmonds and, and their running attack, or is it really just a secondary um, part of the offense in comparison to the passing game? I think with these guys, I think it goes back to the same thing with Hill and Waddle. Um, you know, if you can tackle them, it, it shouldn't be fine. But if the tackling's not sound, they could spring loose. And, uh, you know, both these guys have a ton of speed. So they are guys that could give this defense trouble if the tackling isn't fundamental um now from a statistical standpoint the Patriots were able to keep Edmonds and Mostert at bay for the most part but again going back to what uh the Dolphins fans who are dissecting the all 22 um are saying Edmonds had a great game on on Sunday he did everything that you want a running back to do he hit the holes with a lot of decisiveness. It just was mattered the fact that the Dolphins weren't really creating super large holes for him. Um, he was excellent in pass protection for the Dolphins and, you know, was good at route running. And, you know, another thing about this running back room, this running attack, the, um, we got a fullback battle here. We've got Alec Ingold versus Pat Ricard. The Dolphins signed Alec Ingold from the Raiders in the offseason San Francisco, we obviously know they use a fullback up there with Kyle Yushek. Mike McDaniel came in here, and you know he's bringing the San Francisco philosophy to Miami. So they're going to use Ingold. They they tried a wheel route with him early in the game. <laughs> uh, 
it did not work, but you know, it, it just shows you they're, they're, they got a fullback and they're going to try and, and use him. And even though that's what the Ravens do, you know, it still throws you off a little bit. I'd imagine to see that in a real game situation because the teams just aren't doing that outside of the Ravens and Niners. So yeah, the running attack is interesting. I think the Ravens will be able to bottle it similar to how they did Paul and Carter against the Jets. Maybe the Dolphins will have a little more success, but it is an area to keep an eye on that the Dolphins could move to if they're not having success with the passing attack. Yeah, I'll say from from my perspective, it's it's a little bit of a concern for me uh, this week. I, I think the Ravens maybe let up uh, a little bit more yards to um, particularly Michael Carter, I think week one, than they probably would have liked. Uh, and he's another one of those backs I would probably can kind of consider to be somewhat similar to the other guys of more a little bit smaller but a little bit more quick and kind of hit the holes and be able to cut up field real real quick. And so I, if I'm the Ravens, I think that's one thing I would want to tighten up a little bit before this game. Um, they could give them a little bit of trouble. The you know I guess the Ravens were a little bit fortunate with the game against the Jets. You know the you know obviously they played very well, but there were some drives where. Even when the Jets did have some success, there were just negative plays that the Jets had to be able to like stop the drives, right? Part of that could be luck. Part of that could be how the Ravens kind of were tightening up closer to the, uh, you know, the red zone. Uh, either way, it's stuff you want to clean up. Um, you want to execute better uh, week to week. So for me, I, I think that would probably be a point of emphasis of, you know, hey, we got to concern ourselves with their pass attack, but don't forget the running backs. There's a lot of talent there that could do some damage if we're not careful. I guess just to wrap up the offensive conversation, I'm really curious to see how they deploy their tight ends. I know that Mike Gusecki was rumored to get traded and like they don't have a place for him in the offense. And he didn't get many targets last week, whereas last year he was one of the main concerns that we had going against this offense as a you know fast pass catching tight end. So I'm not particularly worried about the tight end group. It sounds like that's no, no longer... Um, how they plan on executing so much in the passing game. And I don't think the guys that they have there are going to be so robust that I'm worried about them opening up holes uh, that I, at, at a level any higher than any other you know team that we face. Yeah, it's interesting. Gasecki isn't even listed as a starting tight end on the, uh, on the depth chart for the Dolphins. It's uh, Durham Smythe who only had one catch of 14 yards against the Patriots Um really in there for blocking mainly Gasecki had one catch for one yard that being said I did see a couple instances in re-watching the game where it did seem like they did have Gasecki lined up out wide and and he was running some flat routes um, nothing too creative I would say I don't know what they're going to do with him you know, I, I wouldn't completely write him off. The guy's too talented for them to not find a spot in this offense for him. In some ways, he's Mark Andrews light. You know, he's a, a fast, big-bodied athlete who can catch the ball. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm trying to figure out some way that they can make use of this guy. But at the moment, yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure if there's an obvious spot for him uh, with all these other playmakers that they have. So... I'm curious with him. I could see them having some packages for him that they haven't, you know, come out with yet. And maybe there's something that they would bring out against the Ravens, or maybe they they wouldn't even bother. Because like we said, last year, if I'm not wrong, 
the Ravens shut him out. Like he didn't get any receptions. So we'll see what they do with that. But that is something I think to watch out for that, you know, could be a wild card for the Dolphins. All right, so moving on to the defensive side of the ball, um, as we talked about at the start of the show, this is the side of the ball that really gave the Ravens struggle in the game last year. They were able to keep the Dolphins' offense in check enough that if the Ravens were able to do their, you know, just have an average offensive game, they would have come away from that game with a victory. There's no question in my mind about that. That's how dominant the defense was against the Dolphins' offense, but yeah, the, the Dolphins were able to find something, mostly, you know, doing cover zero and, and some zone blitzes that really knocked the Ravens off their rhythm. Uh, they didn't have an answer for it that night. So you, you look back at what they did week one against the Patriots, uh, in a lot of ways, it's pretty similar. Very aggressive look, a lot of disguised blitzes, definitely some cover zero in there. So I would expect us to see the same thing. I think they're Dolphins are going to do the exact same game plan. I know Flores as isn't there anymore, but his philosophy still seems to be in that building, in that organization. And the Ravens, they got no excuses this time. They've got to have a plan. And, you know, I, I think they will, but it'll be interesting to see what exactly that will be that they do to counterattack that. I'm definitely curious to see how Linderbaum can match up against Raekwon Davis. You know, not known for as a sack guy, second round pick out of 2020, only has had a half sack uh, into the 2021 campaign. But he's six foot seven and 330 pounds. So he's super long as a nose tackle. And I'm wondering how uh, Linderbaum's going to be able to handle him. So that's a matchup that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, since we know that they're going to be happy to blitz, you know, Raekwon could be able to really occupy Linderbaum and uh, maybe compromise the middle of the line. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think for me, um, one of the things I'm really excited about, we haven't men- really mentioned his name, but he's uh, he's back at practice, J.K. Dobbins. If he plays at all this game, even, I'll say this, even if he doesn't play, I think the Ravens are probably better equipped, at least in the running game, to be able to do some damage to Miami that we couldn't do last year. But if Dobbins is in, that's even like way better. One of the things at least I noticed with the probably more so the first half of the game last week, the Dolphins and the Patriots. Um, Dolphins struggled a little bit. You know, as an aggressive defense, they're trying to get to the quarterback and they're disguising blitzes and and things um, all around the line of scrimmage. But they have a big weakness um, on outside runs. I think the Patriots uh, took advantage of that early on, um, and they had the personnel to be able to do that. If Dobbins is in there or Justice Hill is in there, like that is like if we can execute on those and get people out in front, like that's a way to slow down those blitzes is to attack the edges, make them come back and play more into our favor. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it now. Um, obviously last year we had some guys, they were in there, but uh, nobody with the speed of, of a Dobbins or a Hill. So yeah, for me, that's kind of like the X factor this week is, is how do those guys perform? Do, you know, is Dobbins, is he going to get any snaps this week? Um, he's obviously he's back to practice. It's, I don't even know if I would put a percentage on whether he's going to play this week or not, but certainly Justice Hill will be active. So um, that's definitely uh, something we could use. I think that's a great point that you bring up. Um, you know, the Patriots did have some success rushing the football against the Dolphins. They just got down and just abandoned it. Um, so that was just why they didn't have put up bigger numbers than they did. But, uh, you know, respectable game from the running backs. Harris, nine carries for 48 yards. Uh, Stevenson, eight for 25. So, 
yeah, you know, they had some success there, and Dobbins is certainly a back who could take advantage of that. He has better uh, outside speed and moves than both those running backs. So I, I think that's definitely one way the Ravens could do it. Another wild card in this game for the Ravens, you know, he didn't have a big impact in week one, but in beating these blitzes, the Ravens could really make use of Demarcus Robinson in this game, you know, put him in one-on-one matchups with the corners uh, or just get him out on slants or maybe even screens. This guy has speed that could really come in handy to beat an aggressive attack that the Dolphins are expected to deploy. I liked seeing that the Ravens tried to get him some catches against the Jets. Uh, he wasn't able to do too much, but at least getting some chemistry with Lamar. And, you know, again, like I said, when we were first talking about DeMarcus Robinson's preseason game, I'm not expecting him to be a huge part of this offense, but there are certain matchups that he can be an X factor in. And this is one I, th- I think is a possibility. We could see the Ravens deploy a little more DeMarcus Robinson in these situations. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, this is a very good secondary they'll be going up against. And I'm definitely interested in seeing, you know, will Duvernay kind of make a repeat performance as a trusted target for Lamar? Or will, like you said, Demarcus Robinson get the chances? Honestly, well, I'm, I'm really curious about the target distribution. You know, we didn't pass too much the last game. We threw four targets to likely. He didn't catch any of them. We didn't, I think we only threw three targets to Bateman. Uh, he caught two of them. And Andrews had five catches. I don't know how many targets he had, but you know, like we only, we didn't pass too many times and there's just like so little opportunity for these players to get involved based on how much we spread the ball around. That's like the, the curiosity. So part of me is like, even if we don't use Robinson or if he doesn't get the targets, it doesn't mean that what he's doing on the field isn't contributing to getting the other guys open. So definitely something to keep an eye on. And I'm excited to have the all 22 view uh, and be able to see it kind of live and, and see how they're trying to execute it uh, for this particular game. Because yeah, that's like one of the things like that might get lost. Um, just watching it on the broadcast view, as far as how the Ravens are manipulating the secondary. One question I have as well is I'm looking at, you know, their pass rushers, obviously they have Melvin Ingram now, but he hasn't had a heyday really since 2019, as far as the sack department goes, has been bouncing around team to team. Uh, they also have, Jerome Baker, uh, he has been increasing in his sacks the last couple of years. Uh, twenty twenty had seven this year, had, or twenty twenty one he had five point five. You know, third round talent out of OSU. I think these two guys I'm going to keep an eye on as well because I'm not sure what's happening with our left tackle situation. <laughs> you know, is Stanley going to be out there? Is it going to be McCary? And I mean, I'm wondering what the status of Philele is as well, just as as far as his availability, right? I don't think it's ideal for us to go into the game with two tackles if uh, Stanley's not available, right? That <laughs> that's that seems like a problem. That might be why Cleveland won't get reps because I imagine if they if we have an emergency tackle after those two, it's Cleveland, and that's that's an emergency. So, yeah. Uh, Definitely interested to see how this plays out. I'm praying that Stanley is able to play. And I'm honestly really hoping that Cleveland makes an appearance too, because I was not impressed with what Powers did last game. Yeah. You wonder if Powers got the first nod simply because, you know, he has more years in the league uh, than Cleveland. Also, Cleveland has had some injuries throughout preseason. Um, Grassman at straws here, because like we said, Cleveland had a great preseason, and we, we know what Powers can do, and it's it's not anything that's really above replacement. So, 
We'll see. I'm big fan of getting Cleveland in the game. As you see from the meme I put here in our notes, which is the Viking from the Snickers commercial from a decade ago, throwing the trash can. Uh, <laughs> the Feast commercials, if you guys remember that. If you're too young for it, look it up. And that Viking, man, that's, that's Cleveland. You know, let's talk about this. Let's get this idea out to Snickers. They need to reboot that commercial and put Cleveland <laughs> in the role of the Viking. I'm, gonna, I'm making it happen here, you know. Everyone's rebooting the wrong stuff in Hollywood these days. And I know it's just a commercial, but gosh darn it. This is the reboot I want to see. Anyways, um, yeah, Alec, you bring up an excellent point with the left tackle situation. And uh, I forgot to put it in the notes, probably because I'm really scared about it. And having to type that out in the notes that we might not have a Ronnie Stanley even at 50% against some of the pass rushers that the Dolphins can uh, throw out there is a little terrifying. You saw what the, a lot of people saw what the Dolphins did to Mac Jones in week one, uh, just that blitz right off the edge. Now, in fairness, Jones was just falling asleep back there. I don't know what the hell was he was doing, and the Dolphins got an easy strip sack for a touchdown with that. But, yeah, you know, the left tackle situation is very still very precarious. We've been talking about it since the offseason, and I don't really know what else to say. They're going to have to have some – solution because yeah McCary and 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 um powers there doesn't make you feel too comfortable there so hopefully hopefully stanley can come back he's practicing this is wednesday when we're recording it um he practiced wednesday last week as well we're really gonna have to keep an eye on what's going on thursday and friday and just just hope at this point that's all we can do i saw in the notes that maybe the reason we didn't play some of these recovering guys is because of the feel that the jets have and actually, I had that thought as well when Harbaugh was talking ill of the uh, of the field conditions when, you know, um, addressing the fact that people got injured in that game. So I'm wondering uh, if our listeners, I want, you know, tweet at us or something. I'm curious to think, curious to hear what you guys think about all that, because I'm starting to think that maybe, you know, that was actually what was going on with some of these players, because you can't really tell me that... Uh, that Dobbins and Peters weren't ready to go based on some of the things they were doing in warmups. I mean, I feel like, like I said last week, they're probably as healthy now as they might be at the end of the season after a season of tread happens to them. So yeah, I, I, I kind of think that maybe that was part of it. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the MetLife stadium turf is pretty infamous after like destroying the, was it the 2029ers? I mean, they had so many injuries that game that just completely derailed their season. Uh, we were fortunate to come out of it with like, I guess like two backup level players, I guess. I mean, Fuller, I guess technically would be a starter. Um, but I mean, obviously James was, is only going to be there until Stanley gets back. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Really unfortunate about Fuller, man. Um, obviously, yeah, we were just talking about the left tackle situation. I think with James, it's, you know, also a, a pretty crappy situation. Sounds like he uh, tore the same Achilles that he had torn back in, 2019 or you know 20, 20 actually 21 i guess really unfortunate for him i mean hope he can bounce back but i mean that's that's rough to be able to go through that twice um fuller though i was i was really looking forward to, to kind of seeing more of him playing and you know just just crap luck too man i mean he had i remember reading something about just his injury history is like almost non-existent he healthy like the last seven out of eight seasons or something and barely missed a game and yeah what the hell he just goes down with an acl like man just you hate to see it 
only good thing that I can kind of think of is just um, really love what I saw from Brandon Stevens week one. I know we talked about it in the recap episode uh, earlier this week, but um, I'm confident uh, definitely in Stevens to be able to pick up some of the slack there. He, he showed a lot week one. Yeah, I think you're right about Fuller's durability. And again, just to show how crazy these injuries can be, I'm pretty sure that when the Ravens signed him, we talked about that as like, hey, yeah, durability. That's that's like, you know, <laughs> that's a good thing you can bring to this team with all the, these defensive guys coming off from injuries. And there you go. It's just a freak accident. It's just crazy how this can happen. Um, the Ravens did make a signing to – add some depth with Fuller done for the year now. Uh, TJ Carey was signed to the practice squad. I haven't heard about this guy, but apparently he's been around for a bit. Uh, He was a seventh round pick of Oakland back in 2014 and has had a pretty solid career given that four years in Oakland, then 2018 through 2019 with Cleveland, most recently with Indianapolis, 2020 through 2021. Looking at this guy, he seems solid. Um, A guy who's who's played and, and can fill in if the Ravens so need it. Hopefully, with Armour Davis and uh, Williams, he won't be needed. But, you know, there's an extra insurance guy there just in case uh, we know based on what happened last season. Secondary depth, you know, if you don't have enough of it, it can kill you. So, again, hopefully this guy isn't needed. But if, but in the case that he will be, you know, I think the Ravens got someone who can at least do solid for them there. Jumping back to from the... Ravens secondary to the Dolphins secondary. Um, this is another talented unit. So they got a talented front seven, and, and the secondary is good as well. Uh, Xavier Howard is the longest tenured member of this defense. has been there since 2016. Uh, and then the safeties are pretty good, too. You got Brandon Jones back there. Javon Holland, uh, who made the interception on the tip from Howard uh, in the first quarter against the Patriots. They call him the snowman in Miami, apparently, uh, because he wears the number eight, and that's a snowman. <laughs> That's what I read online. He's the snowman, second-year player. Um, the Dolphins are expecting big things from him. And, yeah, this is another group that's going to be going to be tough for the Ravens to go against. Well, our snowman's better. So I think uh, he'll be throwing dimes against Mr. Snowman over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is great. This is an excellent matchup for the receiving core to have to go against and win their matchups and you know give Lamar someone to throw to I think the biggest thing to remember with the cover zero is that somebody should be open right someone should be able to generate separation and once they do it could be the death of them so if they're going to choose to come after us with numbers and and try to fluster Lamar and all this stuff this it's on the wide receivers to get the separation so he can get it out the pocket and, and make them pay so that's that's the big thing i'm looking for is can we generate separation against these guys and um really slow down their pass rush did you guys notice they have justin bethel on their team i did not spy <laughs> there it is <laughs> so fans may remember from our draft analysis last year jalen phillips he found his way onto the dolphins and had a pretty good rookie campaign with eight and a half sacks so that's another pass rusher that uh, you know we didn't talk about in the first segment about pass rushers that definitely could get after the quarterback uh, and is another you know fearful person to have on the other side when you're having a little bit of uncertainty around your offensive line. So we looking to see you know I think it could dictate our, our running back choices, right? It it could dictate us using a running back who's better in pass pro because 
we're going to have him stay back there to pass pro. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on too, particularly with, you know, Dobbins's coming back is how confident are they in his pass protection at this stage of his recovery? And will they not lean on him as much because of that, particularly with the blitzing nature of the Dolphins defense? Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, because you've got him just coming back from injury. Do you really want to throw him out there in that tough of a situation? You know, I, I, I don't think we really know what the Ravens are going to do with running back in this game. Um, I was not expecting so much Kenyon Drake last game. I was expecting we were going to see more Davis. We hardly saw Davis at all. Uh, Hill got mixed up in there a little more than I thought he would. Yeah, I don't know. I, in some ways, I, I almost say, you know, play Drake more in this game. You know, we need someone there. He, he knows what to do. I don't think you want to put too much on Dobbins to start out, but you know, we're going to have to mix him in as well to get the big plays like Chris was talking about. So um, that'll be interesting to watch for. Yeah, for what it's worth. Uh, I mean, Drake's got some speed too. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably kind of good actually in hindsight maybe to kind of play him a little bit week one to kind of uh, get him up to game speed for, for week two. Yeah, he could certainly be a guy. Um, I could see how the Ravens would want to use him a little bit more. Um, either way, at the end of the day, I think they've, they've definitely got to fix their running game. The, the performance week one was just not great at all. I, I can't think of a single run <laughs> from the Ravens that day that was good. Maybe like that eight-yard scramble that Lamar had to be able to get a first down, but it's not the He had to work for run that, play. too. <laughs> yeah. It's not a run play. That, that was no, a broken was pass, pass play that he yeah. scrambled. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's the thing, man. And I was going to bring that up. So we need to see this offensive line gel. You know, they didn't play together in the preseason. You have these people that are injured, like Stanley trying to come online. Uh, even even James, to an extent, you know, uh, with him kind of coming back from the injury. Linderbaum missed time due to the injury. We got to see these guys play better. But you know what? Honestly, I don't even know if it's the Lions problem. I saw a lot of issues with our tight ends and their ability to block. Uh, even, I even saw Ricard miss blocks when I watched the film. So... We got to see these guys clean it up, man, because what you'll notice is it takes one player losing their assignment to destroy a whole run game. You got to have everyone executing. And when they do, you might get the yards. <laughs> but if they don't, you definitely won't. So I don't think we have the talent except for Lamar Jackson and maybe Dobbins when he gets fully healthy to make something out of nothing. You got to block better than they're blocking. So that's what we're looking at. And I got to see them play better. I, I do anticipate they will get better over time. I am just curious how fast. I think it may be overzealous to think it's going to be this game, particularly if you're adding a new piece with Stanley. And if you're not, you know, with, with McCary, it's still new. Uh, you know, you're not getting that glue and cohesion. So I just, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about this running game uh, for a while. I mean, I still think once Dobbins gets out there, he's going to will his way into breaking one out. I'm, that's going to be a, a bold prediction until he has his first game action. Uh, but that's going to be on him. I'm, I'm not so sure if it's going to be the uh, <laughs> the line consistently doing it for him. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really the number one thing that we're talking about here as far as what are really the intangibles of this game. You know, we're talking about how the Dolphins, unless they break a long play with one of these guys, they're a slow-paced offense. The Ravens, if they're able to 
make long methodical drives in this game. And to do that, they're going to have to rush the football effectively. They can really win this game with ease. But if they're, you know, doing quick drives and giving the Dolphins plenty of time to do what they, they can do, it's going to make the game a lot tougher for them. So, yeah, I think you bring up an excellent point there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Nick Boyle is back in the fold. He was inactive in week one, obviously. Um, there's questions about his health and effectiveness, if he's able to play as well, along with <laughs> just like Stanley. But he's at least a guy who we know has a high football IQ in that area in the run blocking, even if he's not exactly the same physical player that he was in the past. So, yeah, that in and of itself may end up being the difference in this game as to whether or not the Ravens can win this game. Um, you know, and, and even if they do win it, win it big is, can they get this run game on track? Can they get the blocking in, in check? That's going to be key. And, and hopefully the Ravens were able to take some things away from the film uh, against the jets and have some plans in place for this game coming up on Sunday. With that, uh, we're going to move into our, Bold predictions and score predictions. Anyone anyone ready with their bold right this second? Well, like I said, my overarching bold prediction is going to be this Dobbins uh, revenge tour. But uh, not using it again. I'm just having it overarching for when he's ready. It's a, con- it's a conditional bold prediction. <laughs> you're like, you're building actual- up. It's like the MCU, right? You're just like, you know, that'd be <laughs> all like self-contained bold predictions. And so <laughs> they all come together. <laughs> That's that. That's one way to look at it. So here's here's what I'm going to go with. This has nothing to do with my uh, investment in Mark Andrews and, and fantasy football. But sure. you know, five catches for 52. It's kind of quiet, a little sleepy for uh, the best tight end in the game. So I'm going to say that he breaks 100 yards and gets a touchdown. I'll go with mine. Um, yeah, I'm going to double down kind of what I mentioned earlier with uh, you know the Dolphins maybe having a weakness in terms of outside runs. Um, I'll say that the Ravens' longest offensive pass play is a run. Now, I'm not going to specify what running back it is because it could be anybody. But <laughs> Oh, man. So you guys both went offense, so I probably have to go defense. Can't come up with a good one for defense, so I guess I'm just going to go offense as well. <laughs> and I'll, I, like I said, I think Demarcus Robinson is interesting here for the Ravens. And like Alex said, there's a lot of different ways the Ravens could use him not necessarily just from catching the ball, but as deception, trying to stretch the defense. But that being said, I think that he will get an opportunity for a deep ball here, and he gets a 50-plus yard reception touchdown. With that, we can jump into score predictions. And I know Alex said that he thought the spread was a little close. Man, this is a tough game to call, and... I think that the Ravens, if they have a healthy offensive line, they can win this game easily like they did against the Jets. This defense scares me a little more. This defensive scheme scares me more than the Jets. I think it's going to be a close game. I'll say that the Ravens win 17-13. to 13. I definitely think the Lamar Jackson is uh, not going to allow not going to allow the Ravens to, to lose this game as we did last year. Um, I just I think there's there's a, there's a good bit of pride here. I think on the line, um, and we've seen the team bounce back from losses like this. I mean, obviously, I think the uh, I think the Titans game 
the playoff game was a good example. Although I will admit, um, actually that kind of is contradictory because they did lose the next matchup in the regular season against the Titans, but they did finally win the next playoff game after that. Um, <laughs> the narrative is, is that you might be down, but you might not be down for long. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I, I'm going to go again with the Ravens here. Um, I'm going to say uh, 27 27 20 ravens all right so i would say if we were looking at defensive bowl predictions by the way i think Oway is going to wake up he's not going to be sleepy this game and uh he's going to get a sack or two not that i think he was sleepy before but you know yeah he, he just he wasn't did, a lot of coverage like you mentioned i did notice that in the game watch rewatch field conditions too right i think that yeah. it's like really sapped his speed yeah all good points all right so the spread like you said, three and a half points over under 44 and a half. You know, I'm going to say that this offense is anemic and this defense is just going to prove once again that they're going back to the historic Ravens defense, the prideful pr- tradition of excellence of Ravens defense. So this, this is offense is going to get shut down. I think they're able to put together again, 13 points, but the Ravens offense will be a higher flying affair for the home crowd and they will put up 31 points which is exactly 44 points the under (laughs) very exciting game coming up guys not just the opener but also uh the Ravens will be giving recognition to Jalen Ferguson and Tony Saragusa before the game I do hope that uh there's footage of that and it's shared on their YouTube channel or Twitter or something uh for fans that aren't in attendance at the game I definitely am uh Looking forward to that aspect as well, you know, commemorating the loss of life that came too soon for those two players in the offseason. Well, I think with that, we can probably wrap up this episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to this game on Sunday. Um, I know Alec and I and uh, Correspondent Kfish will be there for the opening day. It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. We had all this preseason to kind of get ready, get ready for our tailgates, as we've talked about. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. We'll be able to do our recap after the game, as always. We hope... Uh, you know, we hope uh, for Ravens victory. In the meantime, uh, if you guys ever want to give us a shout out um, or have any questions about uh, any of the content that we covered in the episode, please uh, please reach out to us. We're on Twitter at OneWinningPod. You can also email us, OneWinningPod at gmail.com. Check out the YouTube, guys. Lots of cool stuff going up there. Not only our bets, but also Peter's History Corner, which I don't know if he's willing to tease at the moment. That's right. Well, I'll, I'll just give a hint that the, despite the fact that Tua is not throw many turnovers against uh, anyone, really. The Ravens have had a lot of uh, highlight turnovers against the Dolphins in the past. I'm not sure if we're going to see any this week, but that's what we're talking about in the history corner for uh, this game, which I know Chris will be excited about. Ed Reed! <laughs> I know, I love that. I love those highlights. Alright guys, check it out. We'll see you later. <laughs>